It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. This is Bonus Benson. This segment is officially completely off the rails. What are you talking about? Stuff we wish never aired. You know, I'm the talent. Right, of course. Except Uh I'm the talent. Come on, man. The Guy Benson Show. Home stretch on The Guy Benson Show. GuyBensonShow.com podcast free every day. Thank you for listening. Over the weekend, I was out on the West Coast, Washington State, right on the Pacific Ocean. Speaking to a group called the Roanoke Conference, had a really fun time out there. I will say from a distance, I was being tortured by members of this radio team, sending me all sorts of photos of the pasta that they had cooked. After our conversation last week about pasta, pasta sauce, we talked about how I guess the Washington Post did a taste test of the store-bought jarred brands, and Rayo's was the winner. My dad texted me a photo of his jars of Rayo's. So he's on the bandwagon. I've got to get on the same bandwagon. But then Wyatt put together a very intricate look like pasta feast, either Friday night or Saturday. Dan and his girlfriend did the same over the weekend. I got all the photos making my mouth just water. I got to get in on this action. Christine, meanwhile, sent us a photo of Kraft macaroni and cheese slathered in ketchup as her authentic Italian food, which was less appealing, frankly, but also pretty on brand for her. Now, Christine, when we were planning today's show, we were on the call. We got to the point of the home stretch. What are we going to talk about? And you were, like, sheepishly asking, does anyone have any topic, maybe sports? And usually this is a sign that you are avoiding talking about something in your own life. And there was a bit of an awkward silence. And then Dan urged you to explain what your topic is. And I'll just let you share with our audience some of the decisions that you've been making about a purchase, about a new routine you're going to try to get into. Just enlighten us. Well, there are two things that happened over the weekend. Uh, we had our my mother over for dinner, and my mom and I were trying to think of something that we could do together, you know, that's just not just the two of us. And uh, my mom had mentioned that she really wanted to start bingo. So starting next week, we'll be going to to our local bingo hall. And mm-hmm. Judgy Joyce and I are going to be having a blast. Are you going to maybe catch the early bird special at the local Olive Garden right before bingo night? I will not be going to the Olive Garden, but I will be driving Judgy Joyce and I. Authentic. In- what? It's a little too authentic <sighs> for you. They do have good breadsticks. Have you ever had the salad there? It's actually not bad. Like, the dressing is really good. I'm sure Olive Garden has quite a lot to commend it, yes. Um, But it sounds like you've got some very exciting nights ahead of you with you and your mother getting together and and playing bingo. Are you going to, like, maybe go down to, like, Florida, do some shuffleboard maybe (laughs) in these colder weather months as well? Well, the thing is, I do. I'm a pretty competitive person, so I'm actually looking forward to this. You know, I'm thinking well, I'm good. You could also, if you're so competitive, you could run, for example. I think I saw this in a sitcom once. You could run to be president of Del Boca Vista, like the local, you know, more elderly age community down there while you're at it as a slightly younger person, a la Kramer. I mean, it sounds like your life is really shaping up in a very exciting way. Bingo, early bird, shuffleboard. We didn't get to the best part. Oh, yeah, yeah, right, exactly. How are you going to get to all these places, Christine? <laughs> I'm going to get to all these. <laughs> can't believe I'm saying this. I'm going to get to all these places in my new Buick. In a brand new car, ladies and gentlemen, and it's, and it's a Buick. <laughs> Look, let me just say. We, I'm sure we have people in this audience who drive Buicks, who might even work for Buick. I am not making fun of Buick. I am making fun of Christine buying a Buick because it's just perfect. Did you have like a brainstorming session? Like, all right, guy always makes fun of me like I'm elderly. What can I buy to make sure that he's right? And like you narrowed it down to Buick and then you pulled the trigger? It's not normal about the fact that I sat at that car dealer and weighed, because I really do like the car, but honestly, the thought of you knowing that I had this car, 
was a factor in my decision making. Well, I do think in your defense, I think Buick has been running over the last couple of years a whole ad campaign about how, like, this ain't your grandpappy's Buick no more. It's like, wait, is that a Buick? That's way too hot to be a Buick. That's way too sleek and modern looking to be a Buick. It just, it's still, it's still a Buick. It's like, oh, did you see here at the bingo hall, Ma just arrived in her Buick. Can you believe it? Here comes Cookie in her new car. In her brand new Buick. And so has this like been done or are you considering this? Uh, I, I, we're just waiting on a call that they, I mean, they're so popular that it's very hard to come by right now. But what, what happened was uh, we lease a car and the lease is up. And we usually go for um, a GMC, and we were because yeah, you had. And just to remind people, you had abandoned a previous scheme to try to buy out the lease, but through someone else. And you had an intermediary whose name I forget, but like you had a guy who was Johnny. randomly texting you, Tommy, Johnny, Johnny. That's it. It was Johnny. That's right, Johnny. So you, I think, wisely decided to not go that route. Instead, you have gotten. A new leased car, and it is a, a Buick. Well, you know what? That's actually not true because I did text and call Johnny from the dealership, and he just like stopped responding back to me, which I thought was yeah, quite. Yeah, I mean, rude. you ghosted him, and then he ghosted you. Now, just one other question here in terms of some of the features of the Buick: mm. Does it come with a little holder for your AARP card in the glove compartment? I do get that magazine, by the way, and I don't understand. I feel like you sent it to me, like you put me on a list. I did not. I think the government put you on that list. Oh, right. And remember when they called me about— I do. What is it? You you thought it was a prank call, but it was real. Yeah, it's like you and your Medicare, (laughs) Cookies Medicare. I wonder if you actually, when you buy or lease a Buick, do you immediately get enrolled into like AARP? Oh, Oh, absolutely. I mean, you're going to start getting, like, targeted ads for visiting angels. Oh, <laughs> I always start with my with mom with jingle. <laughs> visiting it's, angels. It's a wonderful, yeah, a wonderful little jingle. I right? mean, I can do fabulous, it if you want. <laughs> uh, let's, let's hold off on that for now. But the more we're having this conversation as this segment unfolds, I've now referenced a Seinfeld episode. I've now referenced the visiting angels jingle. I've now referenced... The Buick ad campaign, trying to make it seem like it's cool. I think the most relevant ad campaign to invoke is the progressive insurance commercials where, like, middle-aged Gen Xers are becoming their parents and there's the guy trying to help them seem less old. I think this is what we now have on our hands. We need Christine to be in one of these support groups. Listen. Wait until you get a ride in this Buick with me. Will you have printed out MapQuest directions? I can't. You think I would be able to like read and drive at the same time? I, Bobby, when I'm driving and I have that Waze app on, if Bobby calls, I will scream at him. I'm, I need to concentrate. You cannot call me. I have to. <laughs> I can't do more than two things at once. Driving with me sometimes is a little iffy. Hmm. Well, I mean. I can't say that I'm totally bowled over by this. Bingo night was a surprise. Buick was sort of just icing on the cake. Any other really exciting new things that you're contemplating, like a hip replacement maybe? I have to jump in here. I, I have to back Christine on this one, which is which is rare. I know, I know, I know. Christine, put the gun down. <laughs> Let Dan think for himself. I know. Well, no, she came in originally today, and she's like, I, I got to say something, but we we can't tell Guy. We just can't tell Guy. And I like how I bring it up in the meeting. <laughs> like, come on, yes, you just have to like, say it. Yeah, I think there's something, there's something to be raised. Um, but I think Buicks are actually pretty cool. They've done a lot of cool things with them lately. They had, like, Tiger Woods as a sponsor at one point, And, you know, I just think they look really cool. The name just gives it a bad rap because, like, all of our grandparents at some point had a Buick, basically. But I think they're pretty cool. I don't know. I would ride in it. Well, as the only person here who acts 70, let's ask Wyatt about this. Wyatt, are you in the market for a Buick? No, I'm sorry. I don't, I'm just, I'm not a, I mean, it's, my grandma drove a Buick. Right. So it, it does fit a certain demographic oh, and they are n- nice cars, but I would be more 
like well your grandma and Christine have some things in common right does does Christine remind you at all grandma <laughs> bingo Christine are you going to go to a casino next I feel like that what you're betting that that might be a the next thing I would totally take that bus to Atlantic City you Why know don't you the- take the bus you have a Buick <laughs> I don't want to waste unless, the miles on that on that baby. Unless you start getting to like that certain point where it's really not so wise for Christine to be driving anymore, you know, especially at night. Then then it's the bus to AC. Just four packs of cigs. God, stop that. Just wait until we all go on the Benson retreat and I'm driving this us in this Buick. You're nope. gonna love it. Well, uh yep. If and when that happens, I'm sure we would all hypothetically love it. Uh, we'll see. I think I have a conflict that day, but you know we can always we can always discuss it. We got to we got to run. I've got to go. Christine's got to zip home to see if her Buick's come in yet. Plus, it's almost six o'clock, which means it's way past her dinner time. It's the Guy Benson Show back here tomorrow, same time, same place. We'll talk to you. Later. Home stretch here on the Guy Benson Show. Glad to have you all here. GuyBensonShow.com, podcast free every day when the show's over, which is coming up in just a few minutes. So the background to this evening's topic occurred in my house last night. So I know, especially when I go away on various trips, Adam, my husband, likes to watch various shows that I would not watch at all if I were home. So he tries to sort of check those boxes Scratch those itches when I'm gone. And these programs, I mean, I'm going to mention a few of them. They include titles such as Dr. Pimple Popper. That's a thing. My Feet Are Killing Me, which I think is about just people in their awful feet and some doctor who tries to make the feet less awful. And then a show that came up last night called 1,000 Pound Sisters, which I think is about two sisters who, when you add up their weights, it's uh, in the vicinity of 1,000 pounds. And it catalogs their various uh, travails and struggles. Now, it might sound very obvious that I would have no interest in any of these aforementioned shows, and I don't. And... If he wants to watch them in his free time, those are his trashy TV tastes. That's his business. I will say I walked in last night. He hadn't quite finished one of the episodes, and he wanted to get it done, and I've been doing some work. I came downstairs, and I looked up, and 1,000 Pound Sisters was on, and I watched about two or three minutes of it, and for the life of me, I do not understand why this is a show, why people watch it, let alone the person that I'm married to. Surprise, surprise, Christine watches the show. Like, she immediately chimed in with the names of the people. Like, she, I guess, is an avid viewer and knows all the drama involving the sisters and the people in their orbit or whatever. Uh, Christine, are you like a full-blown pen pal with any of these sisters yet? Are you on a first-name basis with them? Because you seem to know a lot about this program. Oh, well, we have to remember Tammy, one of the sisters, just got out of the hospital. She had a near-death experience, so we just keep her in your prayers. But I think you're missing the point of why people love this show. I don't really necessarily think it's about watching these morbidly obese people and, oh, my God, I can't believe that. I think it's it's the what is going on behind that weight. Do you know what I'm saying? Do you get, I don't. like... Okay, you're supposed to be my therapist, so I feel like you should figure this out pretty quickly. Like, well, no, my there's... my my theory is very different. My theory is that people watch this kind of thing to make themselves feel better about their situation, which I think is kind of twisted, actually. Yeah, I don't do that. I love. Sure, you don't. I don't. I do watch Housewives for that reason because they are just hot, drunk messes. And I swear to God, every time I watch it, I'm like, yeah, no, my Saturday night wine is not as bad as this. So that does make me feel better. Do you watch this uh, Pimple Popper show? Oh, my God. I love Pimple Popper. Pimple Popper first started on YouTube. The doctor. 
Yes, like you can. That is like a thing you can Google and like no, I watch the extractions. Oh, nope, can we stop. do this for the Benson retreat one night? Do watch the extractions. You have to see no. what can come out of your no. skin. It's no, insane. I, oh, I love it. I love it, it. This is absolutely horrifying. And the thing is, I asked the team to sort of brainstorm what their brain candy sort of trashy TV guilty pleasures might be. And we know that Wyatt's our masterpiece theater and the Wall Street Journal report, right? When he's really feeling wild, he'll watch those. But my answer just like doesn't even come close to what you're talking about. Extractions of pimples and morbidly obese people and housewives throwing alcohol at each other. Like I think there are different levels of trashiness. And look, these shows exist for a reason. They have an audience. The housewives are very popular among especially women and gays. I can't get into the housewives either. I just feel like I have too many things happening in my life to be invested in the dysfunction of like cartoonish other people when it comes to the housewives, for example. And there's like whole armies of them in every city. So you're following all these dramas and feuds among people that, have way too much time on their hands in Orange County and New York and Atlanta. And I think there's a bunch of other ones too. I I'll just say it's not for me. Dan, what is your trash TV show? Well, I don't really watch them just as a principle for myself. I can't stand it. It's very cringe for me, but my significant other does. First of all, she loves serial killer documentaries, so that scares the crap out of me, but that's a whole other story. Well, I'll, I'll watch that. <laughs> I Like, true crime yeah. stuff, I yeah. will watch, and we can debate whether that falls into the same category. Mm-hmm. I would say true crime, serial killer, murder mystery stuff, that is at least a step up from housewives and pimple popping, in my opinion. But please, I've already thrown my husband under the bus. Please throw your girlfriend under the bus, too. Uh, yeah, I just did. But she was watching the show one day. I came home. It was called The Circle. It's basically um, a bunch of people in a house that don't meet. They're all in their different apartments. But And some people can catfish. Some people are actually who they are. But they have this group chat. So they build alliances just in this group chat. Like it's an online thing only. You can share pictures. It's basically a metaphor for how we are now as a society. But like you just fall in love with the characters. And I hated the fact that I got into it, <laughs> she wrote me in so hard. And once you just watch it and watch all the characters and see how fun and, like, just goofy, and it's just stupid, fun thing to watch, but I actually liked it a little bit. Huh. Okay. And you said she was trying to pull you into The Bachelor, right? Yeah, she started watching the new one. She loves all that. I just cannot do that. That is where I absolutely draw the line. I watched the first 15 minutes, and I just can't do it. It is so cringy. And to put yourself through that situation, like imagine going in there and being like a guy or a girl and being like, I'm vying for this one person. I, I just can't get behind it or like even pretend to watch it. It's just. And yet it's been going for what, like 20 27 years? seasons. This is. Yeah. It's just hugely popular. My answer to this is I don't know if this even counts, but I love, and I've mentioned this before, Family Feud. Like, it is a very dumb game show filled with very dumb, often funny answers. I like different hosts better than others. I like John O'Hurley. I actually really like Louis Anderson. I love Steve Harvey. Some of the other ones, like Al Borland from Home Improvement, just not really doing it for me. But the concept of Family Feud is funny. If I'm wanting to turn my brain off in a hotel and I'm just, like, vegging, putting the feud on, everything, just from the sound effects to the song to when they reveal answers that the contestants hadn't gotten yet and the whole audience shouts them in unison and then claps. I love all of it, and it is obviously not highbrow stuff, but I'm a fan. That's my answer. And by the way... I will put the family feud up against, like, on-camera pimple popping every day of the week and twice on Sunday. I Honestly, I do not understand. Do not understand. Christine, apparently you have something that you would like to share with the class about The Bachelor. 
I applied to be a contestant on The Bachelor when I was probably 22 or 23 years old. Uh, I did not get even a callback. Hmm. Um, I didn't even get to the video portion, so they didn't even get to see what Cookie looked like. I just did the online, you know, submission. But at the time, I also worked for the network, so that on the radio side, it could have probably been a problem. But um, well, we, we I, had a Fox colleague who was on The Bachelor as one of the female contestants a few seasons ago. She used to do a lot of booking at Fox. So you mean I could still apply? I think that they're probably looking for a slightly younger crowd of ladies, <laughs> uh, unless they're sort of, I don't know, rebranding the show like like The Bachelor quick season, right, where everyone's, <laughs> you know, you. of a certain age. Um this is something I did not know. Cookie applied to be on The Bachelor. Imagine her audition video. She, well, she said she didn't even get to the audition video no, stage yet. No, nobody What was the goal there? Did you want to just, like, be involved in drama and reality TV, or were you the type of person who felt like you could truly find lifelong love in front of the oh. whole country oh, on I national was look- television? I was looking for love, guy. This is before Bobby. I was looking for love in all the wrong places. And I thought maybe yeah. The Bachelor would have been the right place. I can't even say no. that with uh, a straight face. Well, it's just it very much aligns with the uh, the overall theme of Cookie's judgment through the years. Right. Not to put yourself out there for publicity, but because you felt like this would be. Yeah, let's let's find a husband this way. It worked for some people. I also, a boyfriend, an old boyfriend of mine and myself, we applied to be on The Amazing Race because we thought we would be a hoot. Uh, Did not get, um, no, didn't get anything back for that. Actually, almost everything. I applied once to be on The Real World, nothing. The only thing I ever got back was I wrote to Delilah. Uh, Do you you know Delilah on the radio? Delilah. Yes. Yes, and she did play my request. That was, what song that was did she fun. play? I think I did. Uh, <laughs> I had I had broken up with a boyfriend at the time, and then I wanted him back, and he was like, no, you're just going to break up with me again. So I think I played, uh, oh, uh, I'm all out of love. I'm so lost without you. You know that one? <laughs> I do. Did he hear this, or was this really just therapy for you? Well, I, I taped it. Duh. Remember back in the day, you had to tape it. Like a cassette tape? Mm-hmm. And then I mailed it to him. Wow, that is extremely creepy. And that's actually <laughs> how some of the aforementioned serial killer documentaries begin. And so it's just it's continuity here. We've come full circle. Wyatt is staying the hell out of this conversation, quite rightly. And also we're out of time. Back here tomorrow on the radio, same time, same place. Thank you for listening. Have a great night. Home stretch on The Guy Benson Show. Jetting to the West Coast again. It was just there, but heading off tonight. We'll be doing the show from Los Angeles tomorrow, Southern California, on Friday elsewhere in Southern California. So stay tuned for that. GuyBensonShow.com is our website. Podcast is free. And as I've mentioned a few times, hit a brand-new record-shattering mark on the podcast in January. So really grateful for that. Grateful to all of you. Let's keep that momentum going. Before we get to our main topic here on the home stretch, I do just want to play for you Cut 16, an announcement today. Tom Brady, arguably, I would say begrudgingly, the greatest of all time at that position in the NFL, making an announcement that he had previously made. We'll see if this time it sticks. Good morning, guys. I'll get to the point right away. I'm retiring for good. I know the process uh, was a pretty big deal last time, so when I woke up this morning, I figured... I just press record and let you guys know first. So I won't be long-winded. You only get one super emotional retirement essay, and I used mine up last year. So I really thank you guys so much to every single one of you for supporting me, my family, my friends, my teammates, my competitors. Uh, I could go on forever. There's too many. Thank you guys for allowing me to live my absolute dream. I wouldn't change thing love you all so he's out right he had already gone on the 
retirement tour and all the reaction after last season, and then he just got the itch and couldn't walk away quite yet, so he came back, played another season with the Bucks. They made the playoffs but were not terribly good, finished below 500, were dispatched easily in the playoffs, and I guess now he's decided, okay, now I'm really done. We'll see because he's such a competitor. A few months from now, might he be still fanatically working out in good shape and thinking, I could give it another try. I don't know. This one feels like maybe it's going to actually hold. Who knows? I know some people are commenting on the fact that he said he wouldn't change a thing, basically no regrets at all. Of course, his unretirement reportedly, seemingly, was a very big factor in the dissolution of his marriage. So, you know, you hope that things can work out that might be something, if I were in his shoes, that I would be thinking about and maybe regretting or thinking about having done certain things differently. But, look, I don't know what was happening in that house, in that marriage. It's not for me to say. But I think that it'll be fodder for sports fans for a while. Was it the right call for him to come back? Or should he have gone out when he did? Or could he have gone out on top just a few seasons before that? But his legacy... His wins and loss record, his Super Bowl rings against all of his opponents, really, except for the New York Giants in the Super Bowl, I must point out, uh, speaks for itself. I don't think there's really much of an argument against the notion that he is the GOAT. And even if you're not a Brady fan necessarily, rooted against him on the gridiron, you just got to give him that. With that, let's get to what might be one of my favorite stories that I've read in a while. It comes from local news in Michigan. The headline is, Michigan boy, age six, spends $1,000 on Grubhub. Quote, doorbell just kept ringing, cars kept coming. The dateline is a town called Chesterfield Township in Michigan. The doorbell just kept ringing, and the cars just kept coming. A six-year-old Michigan boy went on a wild $1,000 spree like he was on a game show, using his father's Grubhub account, ordering large amounts of food from numerous area restaurants. The food piled up quickly for Keith Stonehouse of Chesterfield Township in Metro Detroit on Saturday night while he was home alone with his son Mason with his wife Kristen away at the movies with some friends. We're talking five large orders of jumbo shrimp, salads, shawarma, chicken pita sandwiches, chili cheese fries, ice cream, grape leaves, rice, and that's just some of what was delivered by Grubhub. One driver after the next. It was like something out of a Saturday Night Live skit, Stonehouse said, who says he still isn't laughing. I was probably a 9.5 out of 10 anger while it was happening. The next day I was at an 8. And now I'm at about a three. I don't really find it funny yet, but I can laugh with people a little bit. It's a lot of money, and it came out of nowhere. So how did this happen? The story reports the father says he let his son Mason use his cell phone to play a game for about half an hour before bed. He never thought he would instead click on the Grubhub app and order large amounts of food from one restaurant after another. He's six. So it doesn't kind of sink in. It's not like our 13-year-old did this, he said. This is the father speaking. Trying to explain this to a 6-year-old, we told him we took money out of his piggy bank to pay for this bag of food and this one and so on. We could tell he was upset, but we don't really know if it has sunk in. That's the frustrating part. So much food had been ordered from so many different places. Chase Bank actually sent a fraud alert declining a $439 order from Happy's Pizza. Ordering $439 worth of pizza is a challenge. But this kid did it, and it got declined. However, a $183 order of jumbo shrimp from the same restaurant did go through just fine and arrived at the house. It took a few orders of food for Stonehouse to realize what was going on. Even after he put two and two together, there was nothing he could do to stop the orders from coming. He said he put his kid to bed, saw a car pull up, the doorbell rings, and the driver dropped a big bag of stuff right at the door. 
He said that his wife owns a slice of heaven cakes. It's a bakery. Big wedding weekend. So he just assumed it was someone dropping off decorative stuff that they had borrowed from his wife. But when it was Leo's Coney Island, I was like, what the heck? (laughs) The doorbell rang again and again, and it kept happening car after car. And at some point, when he was getting these messages from his phone, like, your food is ready, your food is on its way, your food is being delivered, he then like, panicked, went over to his bank account and saw that it was getting drained. And there's a few photos of just the piles of food that arrived. So this kid was given a phone to entertain him for 30 minutes before bedtime. And what, six years old is probably first grade. This kid either stumbled upon or deliberately went to the Grubhub app and just went to town. And by the way, you can't sort of easily or quickly order a bunch of food this way. Right? If you've ever ordered food online through an app like this, it is relatively seamless, but you have to select things and add them to the cart and then select the credit card that you're going to use and make sure that the delivery address is correct. And I mean, these were elaborate orders, right? He tried to order almost 500 bucks worth of pizza alone. That charge was declined. This this thing would have been way bigger if Chase Bank hadn't declined that one. It's just very easy and convenient, I guess, when adults want to do it. But then it's easy and convenient for kids who are very used to technology. And I guess if you're six, you don't fully understand the value of money. It's just sort of this magical thing where you hit a button and you see a dollar amount and mom and dad have money and I'm hungry or whatever. You just do it. I think I would have intuitively known even before I was six years old, like this is not something that I should do, that I could get in really big trouble. And I guess as the punishment, they told him they took money out of his piggy bank and he was really upset about that. But maybe it's just like not really clicking that he did something wrong. Now, I've said for a while that if I had a young kid, I'm not sure I would get that kid a cell phone anytime soon. I think it's like younger and younger kids are getting these cell phones. This would at least be part of the counter argument. Because if you hand your own device to a kid just for a short period of time, and now they're clicking on apps and ordering stuff, when you think they're just doing like, I don't know what kids that age play, Candy Crush, I have no idea. (laughs) That's a problem. So I have to think about this. Now, Christine, you're a parent. Your daughter is a few years older than this, would you have bought the ignorance excuse if Megan had done this at six? Well, let's just be honest. Megan is more mature than I am. So Bobby would probably first look at me to see what I did wrong. (laughs) I probably don't know how to use the app. But no, yeah, I mean, at six years. You would order all the food. It would just get delivered to a Target in California. Well done. That's a good callback. But go Um, ahead, please. No, I I wouldn't worry about this with Megan. But at six years old, I mean, I'm sorry. It's really on the parent. I don't think that you could hold a six-year-old responsible. Now, at Megan's age now, ooh, that would be, she would be in major punishment mode. There would be some grounding going on. The only thing is, like, (laughs) this is, like, so much food from so many different restaurants. He just sat there ordering food maybe for the whole half-hour stretch there. And that's a lot of money. $1,000 is a lot of money. That's what would, like, freak me out if I were the parent. And I guess, you know, he was, he said, 9.5 out of 10 mad. The next day, 8 out of 10 mad. Now he's getting to the point where I guess he can laugh about it. Because to me, it's very funny. And, like, the photos that accompany the story of the kid holding up some money and all the food showing up on the kitchen counter, that is amusing But it's also not my kid and not my $1,000. Yeah, that's a lot of money. Um, I once ran up a $1,000 phone bill in one month when I was 19 years old because I forgot to – I was – do you remember analog back in the day? I was – What's that? It was like – it was either you were in analog mode, and if you were – remember roaming charges? If you weren't close to your radius of where your cell phone tower was, you got charged – uh, money oh and I had zero clue. I mean, obviously, I didn't know. And yeah, the bill came and it was a 
$5,000, and poor Judgy Joyce, she had to pay it off for me. No wonder she views you the way that she does. I feel like this has been developed over a number of years. I had completely forgotten about that. What year would that have been? This that was, might have been even before my time. This was in 99, the fall of, I will never forget it. I will never forget the minute I opened that bill. I'll never forget. I mean, think about at, when you're. I, I didn't get, I don't think I got a cell phone until 01. Yeah, this was, I was my first year out of college. And, oh my gosh, I just remember like crying and crying. I thought my father was going to kill me. My poor mother, <laughs> bless her heart, she actually never told my father. And like she oh, made she covered payments. For you. That's yeah. actually nice. Yeah, she did because she knew he would kill me. Yeah, it would have been, it would have been bad. See, I wasn't allowed to have a cell phone at all. Until I had a car and a driver's license. So I was like 16, we got a permit. Then 17, I got the license. It was around then that I got the cell phone. And then it just gets earlier and earlier, where my brother got one sooner before that, then my sister, who's much younger, even sooner. And now you see, like, kids with tablets and phones who are in elementary school. I just don't know how I feel about that. But at least if you give your kid a device, you can control what's on it, as opposed to them using yours and spending a thousand dollars of your money see if this were me i probably would have spent like ten thousand dollars on the united app on a bunch of flights that's what i would have done this would have been my version of it (laughs) when i was that age we got to run back here tomorrow doing the show god willing from los angeles we will talk to you then in the meantime thank you for listening and have a great night home stretch from the west coast I'm Guy Benson. Glad to have you here. GuyBensonShow.com. Podcast always free. And we're going to mix things up just a little bit here in the final segment of the show and take a popular segment and import it into the home stretch. It's time for Woke Tales. Woke Tales. Woo. Bad boys, bad boys. What you going to do? What you going to do when they come for you? Bad boys, bad boys. Oh, yeah. The language police out in full force. We have to talk about this. It has gone hyper viral. I've seen people making parodies of it, mocking it, dumping on it. It is preposterous. Tens of millions of views on social media. It is this list. It's like a roster of terms that apparently you're not supposed to say. And then they offer alternative phrases instead. It's called Evolving from Violent Language by someone called Anna Taylor, but it was made popular or famous unironically by some tech guy, I think. Jeremiah Aoyang is his name, where he tweeted this as like a confessional. I didn't even consider my language. I've used the phrases on the left too often, like, oh, I'm so sorry, everyone. Just prostrating himself before a potential future angry mob, virtual mob. Flagellating himself for the use of completely normal anodyne phrases. Like, if you want to object to some of them, it would be under the framing of cliché. Like, find something more creative to say, and I'm guilty of all of that. But these are being described as violent language expressions that we need to evolve away from. So this guy screen grabs it, shares it like this is a really important, serious thing. And again, millions of views later, it has gone all over the place. So would you like to hear some of the violent language? Instead of, we're going to pull the trigger, say this, we're going to launch. Instead of saying, I'll take a stab at it, Say, I'll take a pass at it. Did we jump the gun? No, that should be, did we start too soon? By the way, I love the jump the gun one. Because that's a racing term, like a starter pistol. These people are idiots. It seems like the main theory behind the violent language is anything that might conjure an image of a gun or a weapon or something that is anything other than wonderfully pleasant will just traumatize certain people because it's so very violent. Did we jump the gun? 
has nothing to do with shooting anyone. It's like shooting a blank into the air to start a race. Violent. Instead of, I'll bite the bullet, say this, I won't avoid it any longer. That'll kill two birds with one stone. (laughs) The alternative is, that'll feed two birds with one scone. I can't believe people, some people, actually shared this seriously. Oh, killing birds. I wonder if these people ever eat chicken or turkey, for example. All right, they'll feast on the cooked flesh of birds, but, oh, we can't say kill two birds with one stone. Let's talk about feeding birds with a scone. Deadline, apparently, is violent. We should use due date, because deadline uses the word dead. It's violent. (laughs) We have to pick our battles. Can't say that. Apparently, we also can't pick our battles, because this is some of the dumbest battle picking I've ever seen in my life. Instead, they should say, we have to choose our opportunities. Can you shoot me an email? Well, you can see the problem there. Shoot. Because when I say shoot an email, I'm obviously envisioning someone with a gun shooting someone else, right? That's, that's what that brings to mind. If you're a psycho. Don't say shoot, say send. Overkill. Can't say that. Call it excessive. I bombed the presentation. I didn't do my best is preferable. I'm sorry, bombing as a word meaning like absolute failure is hilarious. Bombing as a comedian is sort of one of the most famous usages of that term. Although if this was actually meant as satire and humor, this was not a bomb. This was very successful. Except the scary part is it's real and these people, some of them, earnestly think that these terms are violent and should be excised from our collective vocabulary. Roll with the punches is violent. Because of the word punches. I'm going to take a shot in the dark. Okay. Guns. This one might be my very favorite. That's not a bad idea. Instead, we should say that's a good idea. Well, first of all, there's a difference between a good idea and an idea that's not bad. Right? These are degrees of goodness. It's a different shade of a positive reaction. To say that's not a bad idea has a different connotation than saying that's a good idea. They don't mean exactly the same thing in our parlance. Right, in our vernacular. Also, what on earth is violent about saying that's not a bad idea? Nothing. Someone spent time obsessing over this and putting this together, then publishing it to the world. Then someone else saw it and said, wow, this is excellent. I agree. Let's share this and amplify it. Let's not beat a dead horse which we might be doing in this segment already. It might be Christine's favorite catchphrase of all time, but she actually does mean it literally in a violent way. R.I.P. Carousel. Blown away. Can't use that. Kicking around an idea. Kicking. Maybe we should curb stomp an idea. Does that for an alternative. He's a straight shooter. Oh, nope. This is real. Now, the good news is most of the attention coming to this list comes from people absolutely ripping it to shreds. I saw one version of it that's already been mocked up where the instead of say this dichotomy Actually, in the preferred column, they made everything much more aggressively violent. I got a kick out of that. This is just a bunch of innocuous language. It's not violent at all. You have to be, I would say, almost mentally ill, but certainly extremely bored with nothing in your life to fixate on this sort of thing. 
And I think it's right to ridicule it, not because it's just some random little thing. This is the type of mentality that actually is taking place and taking root, in particular, on college campuses. There was a story that I think we told you about a few weeks ago. Stanford University had this language police initiative to get rid of a lot of harmful language, much of which was totally normal and not problematic at all. They just have these busybodies on the left who take it upon themselves to come around telling people what they can think, what they can say, how they can say it. The terms constantly change. The rules are in flux endlessly. And that's the point. It's power. They want to impose their stupid cultural power on everyone else. It makes them feel better about themselves. It brings meaning, I guess, into their empty lives. And I think it's incumbent on the rest of us who want nothing to do with this, to not only actively reject it, but also to actively mock it. And it's a target-rich environment, which, by the way, is probably violent language. Target, gun, arrow, archery, target-rich. Am I calling for people to be crossbowed to death? That is what sweet Anna Taylor and Jeremiah Aoyang might be concerned about. Christine, on a scale of 1 to 10, how excited did you get when I said, beat a dead horse? Well, Guy, uh, being the animal activist that I am, I'm actually in agreement with dear Anna. I think that we should get rid of, let's not beat a dead horse. You know, the, the poor horse is dead already. Why should we beat it some more? I mean, why should we beat it at all? Right? Mm-hmm. Mm. And right, because you're not other... so you're not so into here. I think your objection here is mm. not to the term or the concept of beating a dead horse. It's trivializing something in an aphorism or a cliche that you think mm. is actually like a call to action. Should be literally an instruction based on your you know your history. You can call it animal activism. You can call it you know equine murder there's different terms for it i call it rehoming there was no murder it was we were just putting the horse somewhere else i also um i kind of agree with changing that's not a bad idea to that's a good idea because very rarely do i ever hear you say to me that's a good idea I mean, when I throw things out there, sometimes I do hear, that's not a bad idea, but if I could hear less of that and more on the other side, that would make me happier. So, I don't know. I might stand with Anna for this. So, you just want more reinforcement and validation is what you're saying, and so you want to start imposing rules on other people like me. That's a bad idea. I'll just say that straight up. That's a bad idea. I also love this idea that you were just rehoming Carousel. Yes, you rehomed her from her wonderful little stable on your Rolling Meadows farm in New Jersey where you grew up to the great golden corral in the sky, a.k.a. a dump in Staten Island. That's one way of rehoming. How's that for violent language? It's the Guy Benson Show back here tomorrow from elsewhere in California. We'll tell you about that tomorrow. In the meantime, have a great night. Thanks for being here. We'll talk to you then. Friday vibes on the Guy Benson Show. It's the happy hour. It's the home stretch. Thank you very much for being here. GuyBensonShow.com, free podcast every day. So this is a little bit of a controversy, a stupid one and a silly one, therefore perfect for this segment. A video went viral last week, I think when I first saw it. It is taken inside a commercial airplane an airliner of some sort, and the caption on the tweet was this, we got stranded on our plane in Iceland for 10 hours due to high winds. Luckily, we had our instruments on the plane and decided to start a sing-along. So you've got all these people sitting on the plane in their seats. There's a few cabin crew, it looks like, toward the back galley of the plane. And then in the aisle, there's a girl with a guitar, who's smiling and singing. Someone else has a violin. There's other people involved, it seems. 
and they are singing and performing a very famous song. Cut 36, here's a taste. Virginia, mountain mama, take me home. Country road. One more time! Country road, take me home. One more time! Wait, hang on, it just got a lot got a lot worse suddenly. Did we have a little sing-along there from the studio? Was that Cookie? That was me. It was fun. I had to join in. Dan did not want to hit my mic, and I said, please put my mic on. I want to show Guy this is fun. Okay, I was like, I remember this being annoying but not bad, and then it got annoying and bad. I'm like, wait, whose voice is that? Then I realized what was happening. Okay, now that we've cleared that up, the dispute that's playing out over this is whether or not this was cute and charming and adorable and sort of a heartwarming thing or a nightmare and like a personal hell for people where you're already stuck on a plane for hours and then some people take it upon themselves to break out their musical instruments and start performing and you're a captive audience with literally nowhere to go strapped in a seat. Some might consider this a form of like low-level torture Others are saying, oh, they were pretty good. That's fun. They were passing the time. I think the 10-hour detail is pretty significant in this. And the part that I don't know is how many of the 10 hours were these people playing potentially against other people's will. I think that's important. That's an important data point as we weigh this. My initial reaction was I'm a no on this. I, I feel like you would need to get the permission of everyone on that flight to be down to listen to you sing and play for this to be kosher. And I'd be surprised if that happened. Because some people who are going to sing along or clap or smile, they're into it. What about other people who don't want to be there? They don't want to be in a concert. They didn't sign up for this. It's just maybe cynical. Maybe I'm being the cynical person here. I know Christine loves this. Christine would be like teary-eyed, smiling, sneaking back to the galley for extra mama's juice, and that's like, let's do another round, another, well, not another round of drinking, but that's just for her. She has to make sure that she's you know, hoarding, hoarding that material for herself. Who knows how long they'll be stuck there. She's got to make sure mama's taken care of. But, like, another verse. Let's do it one more time, and then, you know, people are taking requests. I, I'm sort of making this up now. I'm just imagining how this played out and how it would play out with someone like Christine egging everything on. And, like, taking a leadership role in imposing this punishment on a bunch of unwilling fellow passengers. So I'm a no on this. I understand the charm. I get maybe for, let's say you're on that plane stuck for 10 hours, if that's really what happened. If they did, I don't know, 20 minutes of sing-along just to pass a little bit of the time and give people some dopamine hits. I don't know. Like, that might be more acceptable, but... Where this happened in the arc of the 10 hours, how long it lasted, how into it truly everyone was or was not, these are important factors. So my overall inclination is I'm a lean no on this. And Christine is like a jump face first into it, yes, of course. So Christine, why is it that you find this to be absolutely delightful to the point that you want to like actively defend it on national radio? Because I think it's fun, and that's what we need. Everything is so heavy, especially in the news, Guy. And if I was on this plane, I would be back up to them. I'd be searching for a tambourine, but I don't know if planes usually keep them oh, around. God. I love a tambourine. Um, I would knock on the pilot's door and be like, come on, bud. We're delayed. Come out here. Let's have a little fun. Uh, I think you probably shouldn't approach the cockpit door these days. Just, done it before. <laughs> I, yeah, not not like once the plane is out on the tarmac or on the runway, you know. I think when you're boarding, that's one thing. Once that door is closed, I think it stays closed for a reason. I think we don't have to get into that, but we don't want to create a, like a potential terrorism incident no, on no. top of this nightmare, this I said weather I w- nightmare. I said I would knock first. Yeah, I just think you want to stay away from the cockpit door, ma'am. The other thing is, oh, I'm, I'm picturing you with a cowbell. I'm getting a headache. The tambourine actually induced a headache especially if you're not really on beat necessarily it's just like get some advil to people on this plane immediately can you understand why it might be fun and light and enjoyable for let's say even a majority of the people on the plane but some people really find it 
cringeworthy and something that they don't want to have to put up with in an already unpleasant situation? No, I can't. And you know what? Like, I would even be nice <laughs> enough to go around and pour everybody a shot. So, like, we do a shot. This is what happens at the block party when I get it going. Everybody on the in the, on the block, every single one. I'm looking at you, Grandma. I'm looking at you, Gramps. Everybody does a shot. And then we sing. It is actually... Children? I, guy, not the children. No. You said everybody gets a shot. I'm like, this sounds like another confession to a crime. <laughs> no, I mean... For Christine, um, it, would, it would not be the first. No. No no children no children drink. But mm. um, Dan is over here rolling his eyes. He's a musician. I would think he would he love this. He is a musician. He, he famously, at least for the purposes of this show and the last show he worked on, famously auditioned... For American Idol, like he's a musician. You play the guitar, if I'm not mistaken, correct? I do. Okay. Perfect, perfect, perfect person to answer this question. So you're on a plane, stranded for hours. The natives are restless. People are unhappy. You've got your guitar with you. It's not down in the belly of the plane. You didn't check it. It's in the overhead bin. Are you reaching for that guitar to break it out and bring some happiness and joy into people's lives, or are you leaving people the hell alone? I am absolutely leaving people alone. You couldn't pay me enough to take my guitar out on a flight. I would not do that to other people. I get it why people like live music and all that, but some people just want to sleep and relax on a, on a flight. Like, they pop their Ambien or Benadryl, and they just want to, like, lay back and go and just sleep and conk out. I'm not doing it. I've had friends who have done it on an airplane. My friend Nick, who actually won American Idol the year before I was on, got paid to, like, do this partnered sponsorship and had to play with his band on a flight and do this exact same thing. And some people were not happy at all. So that's the thing. It reminds me. All right, so quick story. This is not exactly the same, but it's a similar principle, I would say. The most awkward speaking engagement I have ever done in my life was for Americans for Prosperity years ago. And actually, I'm at an AFP event right now out here in California. Love them. But I spoke, it was in the 2014 election cycle. I spoke in North Carolina, and it was calling out then-Senator Kay Hagan for her Obamacare votes and some of her other votes. She was a Democrat, and she was defeated in 2014. But it was unclear whether that was going to happen or not, and it was the call-out K tour in North Carolina. So they had me coming and just doing some policy analysis and some political analysis at a breakfast event and then a lunch event and then a dinner event. It was an all-day thing, three different stops in North Carolina. The breakfast stop was in Asheville, a very beautiful little cute town, delightful place. And it was at a diner, this really good breakfast diner, and they had people sign up, and they probably had 30 or 40 people signed up for the AFP event, and my job was to talk to them about Kay Hagan and Obamacare and a few other policy issues. To my horror, when we arrived, I discovered that we did not have a private room. We had a giant table in the middle of the diner with a bunch of unsuspecting, unwilling people just trying to eat breakfast all around us. And I had to speak loudly enough so that everyone could hear me who had paid to be there, but then obviously loudly enough that everyone else at brunch or whatever had to hear me. And I did not want to, like, proselytize to people about politics when they're just trying to have breakfast. I would not want that to happen. So I actually opened my speech with an apology to everyone else in the entire restaurant and said that I would stay for, like, 20 minutes afterwards if they wanted to come and complain to me or argue with me or give a different point of view because I recognized it was obnoxious and I'm sorry that we didn't have a private room. So I did it, and it was just kind of awkward. I mean, obviously, I made the best of the circumstance. The rest of the day went very well. But I would not impose that on other people, just like you, Dan, would not impose your guitar music and singing, even if it's good, on people who are a captive audience. At least at a diner, you can, like, put down 20 bucks and walk out. On an airplane, you are absolutely stuck. You can't go anywhere. Yeah, I absolutely agree. You can't do it. it. Like if you play at a bar, you know, you could just walk out, go to another bar. On a plane, you cannot go anywhere. Well, and people go to certain bars knowing that there's a live music component right. and they want live music. That is not something that you really sign up for on an airplane. So uh, Quiet Wyatt is 
monitoring the balloon and the war situation. So War Wyatt uh, has no opinion, he's let me know, on this particular subject. And therefore, he abstains courteously. It's a two-to-one vote. Christine loses. We're out of time. Back here on Monday for a brand new week of The Guy Benson Show. Thank you for listening. Bonus Benson over the weekend. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. That was this week's edition of Bonus Benson. For more Guy Benson Show, go to GuyBensonShow.com or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Charles Payne. Listen to my Unstoppable Prosperity podcast so I can get you making money right now. Whether stocks are hitting new all-time highs or in freefall mode, opportunities abound. So why are so many potential investors still sitting on the sidelines? In a new season of my podcast, I'm going to get you in the game. After 38 years on Wall Street, I'm ready to impart some lessons and get you invested in the greatest wealth-generating machine in history. Listen anytime, everywhere at foxbusinesspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.